Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the founder of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing artists and creatives working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. Thank you so much for uh, for coming in, man. It's great yeah. to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks so much for having me on board. Absolutely. Uh, you've been uh, you've been in this industry about as long as I have. I think longer. I think I looked you up, and you were in school in two thousand and six. You graduated, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I guess you've done your research. Yeah, I went to uh, uh, <clears throat> I went to Seneca back in uh, Toronto, two thousand six. Yeah. So yeah, it's been what. Uh, 16 years now yeah that's about the same actually 16 years think about that wow Uh, we're getting up there yeah yeah uh so why don't we start with uh so i you know we've got ian spriggs here and um everybody should be aware of your work but why don't we start with you just introducing yourself and telling us what you do because you do two things you got a day job and then you got this like I don't know if you could say passion or mission, but you've got this other way that we all know you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, <clears throat> for the people who don't know me, I'm a digital character artist. That's my my job title, I guess. I love creating digital humans. Uh, I focus mostly on hyperrealism, so just trying to make them as believable as possible. Uh, right, currently, right now, I'm working for Unity and real time characters, and just like I work in the labs department, just trying to push the boundaries of real time characters. Uh, and then, well, what people mostly know me for is my personal work, which is just portraits I do of my family and my friends. Uh, so that's the stuff which has been more successful for me in my career-wise. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the stuff. I, that's the way my passion really lies, is the portraiture aspect of things. Yeah, that's great. So why don't we take this back? So mm-hmm. most people are familiar with you, and, you know, my focus is always um, students training and, you know, how artists mm-hmm. grow. You yeah. Um, so you're in school uh, 15, 16 years ago. Were you on those SGI machines or was it right as they transitioned to PC? Uh, I was on one of the PCs. Yeah, that's okay. pretty futuristic when I went to school. Yeah. So that's where I'm going with this is like there's nerds and then there's like us. <laughs> you, you know, it's like, and how did you get into this? Because it's such a niche thing. Like when I got into it, I don't even know how it came to my attention. It was it was by, almost like a fluke in a way because I was going to art school, so I have a bachelor of fine arts degree, and uh, yeah. I remember I was unemployed in Montreal for like two years, just drawing my sketchbook, trying to get a job. I could not get a job anywhere, and then my brother, he did some small animations for some companies. He got into it through school, and he ended up going to Sheridan in Toronto, and then he was like, "Hey, Ian, you should actually apply to Seneca because they're still accepting students," and I was like. 3D, like I'm not, I don't even know anything about computers. I don't even have an email. I can't even type. I can't do anything with computers. I'm absolutely useless. He's like, it yeah. doesn't matter. The, the prerequisite is you need art, an artistic ability. That's it. Mm. So I was like, all right, well, I applied. I went in and did a drawing test, just drew my hand. And they're like, great, approved, you're in. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that was it. And I was like, it was just a game changer. Like my life, Went from unemployment to just drawing two D stuff, and it made the transition to three D. And I just immersed myself as much as possible. 
Uh, what was that experience like for you? Because I had a similar track. Like um, before I went to school, I went to Noman. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, when I went to Noman, you had to like come with all cash. Like it was just, you know, this like select group of people who just had cash laying around. There was no loans. And um, I was going there as a uh, like I was living in the Czech Republic for a year before. And my I just finished my degree in poetry. So I used, I think, Microsoft Word. And that was it. Yeah. And I was the same thing. Like I barely had anything. And I go from Word to now I'm learning and now I'm in Maya. And you know, Maya is like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, so what was that like for you? You know, starting out with nothing and then you're going through this process. It was just uh it was just weird. It's just like my whole life was changing. It's like I like learning Maya and learning 3D, it's like learning a new language. Basically, mm. you have to retrain your brain to think of this new language. Yeah, it's just going like going from 2D to 3D. It was like it was easy to transition the artistic abilities, but to understand the language was quite difficult. I ended up ever since I started getting to 3D, I've actually never gone back and done 2D drawing again. I yeah. just fully immersed myself in 3D, and it's just like that's all I think about. When I was going to school, I was just I remember I stepped to like 3, 4 a.m. just working every night, go back to school the next day. For me, it was just like, uh, yeah, just night and day difference. Mm. But you hearken back to the traditionalists. So yeah. I hear a lot of Caravaggio, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Like I'm still inspired by the, like the talents of the, the masters. For me, it's like that's the pinnacle of art for me. Like they've just created some, the techniques they do, like with the lighting, with the poses, mm -hmm. uh, the concepts they did is just like it's the peak of art. Like I think that was the some of the most talented people in human history lived in those periods. And so I feel like sometimes we've we've lost touch of some of those things. So I've always tried to pull some of those techniques back into the digital realm and just mm -hmm. try to uh, that connection. Because as artists, we we stand on the back of the generations before us. Like we're not just building stuff from scratch. Like just using using 3D as a tool, which being helped by by technical people who make those tools, like we rely on people. So I'm trying to, instead of resetting, I'm just trying to build on top of what has already been built. Yeah. So I'll play devil's advocate here for a sec. Why not draw then? Do you feel that compulsion like you have to? Uh, not really anymore. Like mm. for me, I just see technology as, as a new medium which has never been explored. Like you yeah. can look at the canvas or 2D and every possible version of the human being has been explored on the canvas, basically. Yeah. Like the abstract, uh, Art Nouveau, like all these different styles before. And basically you, it's very difficult to come up with something new, but mm. 3D is a new medium, it's a new tool. It's not even been explored for that long. Like the possibilities are just endless. It's opened so many more doors that we actually don't even know what exists yet so it's just it's kind of fun to be on the front lines of this new movement like this new genre and just being one of the people who help, help discover and push it forward yeah that's great i a lot of students will come in and, and this drawing conversation comes up and so i like to tell them i don't know if you agree with this or not but i like to tell them that the only reason leonardo and michelangelo drew so well is because they didn't have iphones right like so <laughs> Well, you know, what are they going to do? They want to, they want a picture of this person. They're going to have to figure out how to draw it so they can, you know, yeah. paint it later. It's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't have those uh, distractions probably. Yeah. It's like they're just used to looking at something and then just recreating it from eye. Like if we were to draw now, it's almost like, yeah, you look at a monitor or get a, a photocopy of like a, a library book or something and they just copy it once one. It's like looking at reality and drawing it is something we've definitely lost touch. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And in fact, actually, a lot of traditional schools now you end up drawing and the idea of drawing from life is you can you you get this information that screens and photos don't capture. Mm -hmm. But yet most of us are still drawing from just displays anyways, you know, capturing from that. So, yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, but, it's because I've lost a little bit. Of those, I've lost that talent, I think, like being able to see reality and just copy from reality. I've, I've come a little bit less in touch with that. I like to get back into it. Mm. Uh, point but yeah i've just been so busy with <laughs> discovering portraiture and digital work yeah well you got to move forward so like how did this evolve in you because you know you start you're you're doing this um you know with a like a small group of people you're working all the time like what's some of the first things that you started modeling you know before you even started to discover portraiture uh yeah so i think the very first thing i did in school i did like a medusa head and huh? it was like, and then I just did a, a female character. And it's just like, back then, I didn't really know portraiture was my thing. I, I didn't know that's what I wanted to do. I just kind of gravitated towards it. I know in art yeah. school, I always used to draw uh, realistic representations of faces. And the, the teachers are always like, no, no, you got to stop with this realism. You got to explore like emotional abstract. And they kept on mm. pushing me away from it. But it, I was always pulled towards the human face. And yeah. I didn't really know that's what I wanted to do. It, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so clear, crystal clear, and it's obvious that that's what I want to do with my career. But to discover that is my path, it was extremely difficult. It took me years and years to realize that that was it with even all these uh, call signs and these clues along the way saying, this is what you're supposed to do. I just ignored it. And I just, I don't know, I just kind of flowed, went with the flow and I just ended up going with it anyway. Yeah, but yeah, I took I had a couple of jobs where I was just modeling, texturing stuff, and then it slowly progressed more into more characters, and then uh, from there it's just uh, I, I got a job at Mr. X. It was a great company. I did characters there, mm -hmm. but there was always those those deadlines. Like you got two weeks for a character, now you got one week for a character, now you got three days, and it's just it was getting too much. So I took a bit of time off, and I just wanted to see how far I could push a digital human. And then I did uh, my self-portrait. That was 2014. Yeah. And that is that was the mark where I discovered portraiture is what I want to do. Like it was 2014, I created a portrait, which is, it wasn't like glorifying myself. It wasn't like trying to be something more than uh, what you say. It wasn't like this action pose or this mm -hmm. uh, model, like magazine cover model. It was just me, kind of slouchy messy hair it was just like an honest representation of who i was yeah and no cover me, up on if i remember right like they're little red splotches yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 like it was kind of a little ugly but it was, it was an honest <laughs> representation of who i was so i was just like i released it i got a lot of good uh feedback and comments about it and i just was like i realized it's like i really enjoyed this process of just discovering myself discovering my art discovering what i like and i just just kept on pushing with it. And then here I am today, I guess. That's about six, no, it's about eight years. Is that, uh, you graduate school, you got eight years, and then you feel like you discover 
uh, portraiture's the thing? Yeah, it's probably about, yeah, eight years, I'd say. Yeah. And did you ever dally with portraiture? Is that like something that you were kind of going into or was there? Not really. I mean, I did uh, some work beforehand. I still, like, I always did personal work, but mm -hmm. I did a lot of uh, like political artwork uh, involving characters. And the more art I did, it's more character based it became. So it, it wasn't necessarily about portraiture and discovering, because portraiture is more about a person's identity and uh, revealing someone's inner self. Mm -hmm. Before, it was just like subjects in a scene, and the scene was the story. Paradox of power. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Minotaur. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. in that work, uh, if I remember right, I'm just reading the description. I'm trying to recall the description right now. Uh, there was the the Greek themes. There was, of course, the Minotaur is a is a Greek theme, and mm -hmm. so you're playing with stories at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're really pulling pulling me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a good one because uh, yeah, like the Minotaur is supposed to be like the symbol of power, and yet mm -hmm. there's in this piece the Minotaur is getting beat up by like basically society. So like each character is a different category of society. And so I have them all beating up this Minotaur, but this Minotaur is like, uh, he is like basically the symbol of like uh, oil companies and gas. And it's basically, we're beating up stuff we need to survive. So the beating up the Minotaur, but we need the Minotaur to be able to be the one to run the maze and hold the system up in place. So it's kind of like this paradox of power. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then now, so you're building these things. And I mean, I imagine these take a long time, right? These are, if I remember the paradox of power, that didn't look like that was something that just, you know, happened. Yeah, it's like, like eight, eight months or something. I think I got like, uh, when I released it, I think I got like 40 or 50 likes. <laughs> <laughs> For eight months? Yeah. <laughs> How is that? That must do, I mean, on one level, we know to train ourselves not to ignore that, but that was also a long time ago where viralness yeah. was like still on the table and and, pe and we didn't realize how much of a game it was. Like we thought it might be like real. How was yeah. that? That must've been a little shattering. Uh, it was a little discouraging. I mean, obviously I'm like growing up, I usually just do drawings on my sketchbook, close the sketchbook and nobody will ever see it. So I'm kind of used yeah. to, well, you don't need, you don't do art for praise. You just do it right. for yourself. But yeah, releasing it, I, did, I know I did it for myself, but it was a little discouraging, like so little views or so much, so little feedback. Yeah. But it kind of made me, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Like, uh, it was like, why spend all this time on like seven characters or six characters when I just spend the time on just a face and I got a lot more positive feedback from it. Right. Yeah. So what was the next piece? Do you remember what the next piece was after Paradox of Power? Uh, what was it? I think I did a, I think I did a short film, uh, Mobius, which nobody really knows about. It's like two minutes long. It's like these people under, like in, in the underground parking lot and they're fighting, but the fight is a loop and it just they just consistently fight forever and ever, and it's just like this, like yeah, basically like the symbol of like violence. If once the violence starts, it kind of never ends. It just keeps on going. Mm -hmm. So I did the short film. Once again, it got like a hundred likes or something. It was like, yeah. nobody liked it. But that took me like a year and a half to do. Oh my, wow. Yeah, so I think at that point, I was kind of done with just these big, massive projects. 
I feel like I need to just push more into just smaller projects. And I think when you do something so big, it's like you kind of don't grow as much. You might, I, you put too much investment into one thing, but if you do lots of the small pieces, you can develop your style, your skill, what you actually like a little bit more. So I, I went to small projects after that. Yeah, that's what I was noticing. There is this trend. So before this, it was really neat because I, I see this like in myself. I see this in artists. Like, you know, you're focused on story. You're telling something, and you can tell like there's a big intellectual push. You know, you you're kind of excited about this challenge, mm -hmm. and um, and there's a ton of story involved in this and and philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. So like philosophy becomes a seems to become like a big important thing. Is that something that like was a big part of of, of your are you reading Nietzsche do you have like Camus somewhere on the corner somewhere uh, I think I got a couple of philosophy books on my shelf yeah yeah, yeah I just, I just somehow I put just have a couple uh, layers deep in, in my artwork yeah like, just adds a little bit more creativity and interest but what I was noticing is that now with the portraiture it's kind of like the storytelling shifted before you were using the pieces to tell a story now the story's coming through small elements of craft, lighting. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, with, with all my portraits, I try to reveal, like the, the deepest level would be the, the revealing the identity of the subject. Mm -hmm. And so that can be done with like a, like a lighting style, for example. If you have uh, a hard light with like very little fall off, and maybe it's like split lighting, so the light comes from the side, creating a shadow on the face. That's going to feel dramatic. It's going to feel like engaging. It's going to feel a lot more intense. So something like that could be used for somebody who's maybe got like a, who's a more intense person. Uh, I did a portrait of Neil Blomkamp, uh, so I used split split lighting for him because I thought it would be more suiting of his film style. And it's more he's more of like a go getter films like he's uh head, like headstrong creatively mm -hmm. so that lighting style would match his personality so i this like techniques like that can help bring forward those personalities a bit more right and so yeah so you can use lighting styles uh the type of poses mean the, like it's a huge amount of uh, context between poses clothing uh i like items of belongings I did a portrait of my girlfriend, Erica. The first, I've done two portraits of her. The first one I wanted to do, she basically said, I'm not allowed to do her portrait unless I include her dog. Mm. Because she was like, she does, her dog is so valuable to her. She cannot see herself as a, a person without the dog. Uh -huh. It's so valuable. It's like, it's a part of her now. It's like, it is her identity. So I was actually well, like, like, I have to include the dog because the dog is you, basically. Huh. Was there a moment where you realized, like, you know, this is this is how you're going to start to tell stories because it's a shift. Mm -hmm. And and I the reason why I'm kind of um, focusing on this is because I, I feel like this is also something that students and beginners get into is like they have all these beliefs of like, this is how you tell us. This is how I create art. This is what I'm supposed to do. And then at the end of the day, a big part of my life is just telling them, pick a prop. Add this little, you know, cigarette burn on it. And now you actually have a story. You don't need to go build an environment and do all this crazy stuff. You have to bring your focus in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, when you go too big, you kind of like lose the audience. And mm. 
it's just it's kind of a mess. You don't know what's going on. But yeah, if you make, like make the simplest things perfect, it actually comes across a lot easier. I think the perfect example of what we're talking about is uh, Vermeer's girl, girl with the pearl earring. Mm-hmm. You know that painting? Oh, yeah. Because you see like this housemaid, just, you know she's a housemaid, but she's got this pearl earring on her. You know for a fact she can't afford it because of her job. So you're like, well, why has she got this pearl earring on her? And why is Vermeer painting the housemaid with probably what is his wife's jewelry on her? And then you're mm-hmm. like, is he having an affair? Like, what is going on here? And it, just by adding this pearl earring, which is basically just a sphere on the canvas, you've created this huge story, like deeper context. Hmm. Absolutely. So if we were to look at, like, let's say uh, the boy, Jasper, your nephew, mm-hmm. you know, because boys are, are kids are hard for me. Yeah. You know, and. You have to convey something. And then at the same time, you're conveying like this absence of like, obviously they don't deal with any of the world's big problems, right? So they they have something. Um, but what, like if we're looking at this, what are you, is, does it, I'm, let me just say it and if it doesn't make sense, let me know. Is it possible to like verbalize what you're going for or do you have an, a, pro, a part of your process where you do verbalize and you put words to what you're trying to put? Uh, sometimes I, yeah, sometimes I'll, uh, a lot, not for all of them, but for some portraits, I'll think of a sentence of what that person would be thinking of. So awesome. Yeah. Like I know they did this on uh, Lord of the Rings with Gollum, I think. So the animators, when Gollum's not speaking and then like his uh, alternative version speaking, they'll give the Gollum who's silent a sentence that he's thinking about and the animators would have to animates to that sentence of what he's thinking about because oh, wow, i didn't know that even his negative like when he's not animated or he's not doing anything he still needs like a thought in his head okay so you can animate to that to that thought and if you can make the viewer look at a, a portrait and get a sense of what they're feeling yeah. you might actually be able to connect to that audience member a lot easier that's amazing. Do you have an example of that? Like, it, if, <laughs> I mean, like I know I'm putting exactly. you on the spot here, but but I, in all your work, you can tell they're thinking something. You can, you know, it's not like you're going for hyper real for hyper real. Everything that I see here has a story. Uh, okay, take uh, Chris Nichols for example. Oh, uh, my cursor is right on that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So. Uh, Chris Nichols is a podcast. He's also just podcasts. Uh, yeah. So in this one, it I wanted the portrait not to feel like he's going to be speaking to you or he's going to be like try expressing who he is. He's kind of more sat there thinking about what you're about to say next. So it's not really about him. It's more about like, yes, I'm set. I'm Chris Nichols. I'm sat here. I'm thinking I'm, I'm 100% listening to what you have to say. So that's the thought process I had for creating his portrait that I wanted him to think like, what, all right, I'm listening, what do you have to say? That's the idea behind that portrait. Whereas huh. if you compare it to like Scott Eaton's portraits. Yeah. Uh, Scott Eaton port- portrait, he's, uh, anat- he's amazing with anatomy. He teaches anatomy. Yeah, I know Scott. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he's holding his a skull in his hand, like it's anatomy. But w- what he, his pose is he sat there 
leaning into you as if he's like looking at you eye to eye on the same level as you. And it's like, he's teaching you. He's like, this is, I'm going to teach you about my love, which is my career, my career as an anatomy instructor. And I want to teach you this. And so instead of him listening to what you're saying, like Chris Nichols would, God Ethan's there to be on your level and teach you about what he loves. And so that was the thought process of his portrait. That's interesting. I can see that, you know, and having met uh, Scott several times, um, he has this presence when you're meeting him and it's not a passive presence. Like it's interesting that you're leaning into it because I can remember meeting with him and, you know, he's there, he's, he's with you and there's this forward lean. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's interesting. So if we look at, um, all your work, um, you know, through most of this, does it help you to have like one thing where you're like teaching, listening? No, it's a little bit of, it depends on the person. Like I do, like those are two examples, listening and teaching, but there's like, there's different uh, concepts for each portrait. Like, uh, I'm just trying to think of another example. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like another concept entirely would be uh, Neil Blomkamp's portrait. Uh, he's got, he's kind of like leaning there. He's got a split lighting, like I told you, it's very engaging, dramatic. But he's got two hands, like almost front and center. The, yeah. like, the canvas space is almost more than his face. And so in history, yeah, if you, uh, if you, have a, a portrait and you have two hands painted that means that you're extremely wealthy because it costs a lot of money to commission hands in a painting and so if you have like one hand you're you're relatively you, you got some money but if you have two hands it means like you're a top level like you are the highest status you can have oh and so for his portrait he's because he's the top director he's got to have two hands front and center <laughs> in a way like showing you off like hey I got two hands. I'm that high, that much of a high status. <laughs> I can afford this. I love this. Yeah, that's great. So how how did you learn to trust yourself for this process? Because I'm looking at this and I've watched your. Uh, you've got that thing on our station. There's a there's a whole lesson and it's a I think Trojan horses unicorn talk. Oh yeah, if yeah, I remember yeah. it. Yeah. And one of the throughputs is that, you know, you're not spending a lot of time with SSS. You're not, you know, you're using relatively straightforward shader systems, but what you are doing is iterating mm -hmm. and iterating. And, you know, I find that this is actually one of the things I have to talk to um, beginners about is, you know, is start is learning to trust process and not like, not let the 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 demons come back and be like all right it's not for me or this is as far as i can go or um or i'm screwing up but you know you're doing a process that involves months and months and months and of course now you have confidence and capacity but surely there must have been some point early on where you're like should it take this long yeah it's true like uh yeah there's a lot of uh ups and downs for sure like emotionally like you feeling like you're not doing the right thing or like one day you're like, oh, I did something amazing. The next day you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. Like, what, I what that. I <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, it's like to overcome that. It's, I don't know. It's just try not to think of it as like, uh, it's a, you're not racing. It's just like a steady stream. Like just 
every day just a little bit. Like it's not, you're not trying to, it's not a competition. If you see stuff online and other people are doing stuff better or but it's not better, it's just different. It's, it's like, but stop comparing yourself to them. Stop looking out to be motivated. Just like make sure you just well, stay on track. Be patient with what you're trying to do and just like be steady with it. And just every day, just, just do a little bit. It doesn't need to be huge gains. You just slowly move forward. And yeah. Hmm. I don't know. It's, not, <laughs> yeah. it's, a tough it's easier said than done though, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was that self-portrait that you were looking at that and you were like, that's the one, like, this is it. I'm going to do this. Uh, the first self-portrait I did, yeah. yeah. Eight was, years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's weird how that one just kind of opened the door. It's just kind of like, uh, yeah, it's like open that rabbit hole. And you just dive deep in this. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like portraiture is, the reason I stuck at it so long and it's because once I opened that door, I realized I knew absolutely nothing about what makes us human. Like, I, I always thought, like, yeah, I have a good concept of human beings, but it's like you open a portraiture and you, you really have to ask those questions, like, how do we define ourselves? What makes us human? Like, what represents us? Like, how do we, how do we express the inner self? It's like a novel. It's like, but you can only look at the cover of that novel and you have to understand what that whole entire novel is just by looking at the cover. It's almost like you, you started asking yourself questions of how to, all, all these deeper level questions. And it's just like, it's basically, you, we know for a fact, we're never gonna be able to answer those questions. Everyone's gonna have a different answer, but it's just the fact that you can constantly dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's like this never ending hole which you can go into. It's, it's kind of addictive, I think. Mm. That makes me, so that brings up, so it's not, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's not really that you are, um, you, you have a medium, CG, all this stuff, um, but you're not trying to make the best portrait. You're trying, you're trying to answer a question. Yeah, 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 I think so. Like, a lot of it's just like uh, trying to discover myself in a way, because if you see all the portraits, they're kind of like, Every like every portrait is a self-portrait. It's right. how I see people, what color choices I picked, what uh, poses I picked. It's like every if you see them as a collection, it's all part of me. And I think the more work I do, is more discovery of myself. So I think it's yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And you know, I think a lot of times, especially because I deal with students and beginners so much, is you know they're just trying to be good. Mm -hmm. And and if you're just trying to be good, then you're looking and you're out there asking, "Am I good?" And then the only way you can answer that is you compare. And so then they start the downward cycle. Yeah. Um, not as good. Why am I not as good? You know, because dad said this, right? Or whatever, right? Yeah. But it's all downhill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but obviously in, not be like that. You cannot right. compare. Right. So, yeah. yeah, go for it. I was just going to say, it's like, it's like a journal. Like you're basically just having a representation of yourself at that point in time. Like, this is who I am at this point in time of my life. This is what I like. This is what I'm passionate about. And then you show the world. It's not a competition of, like, who's got a better life. It's like everyone's life is just as valuable as everybody else's. I like that you, like, you accept yourself and you accept where you are, which is, a, you know, something is hard for some people, especially, you know, 
beginners and, and people and people beginning on this journey because we may have come from some place that we didn't like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we want to be better, but you have to learn how to start where you're starting. Yeah. Yourself. Exactly. And I think, yeah, when I first discovered my self-portrait, I know it's like, it might have been an easy, like, hey, I did self-portrait, easy. But to understand that's the door I wanted to go through, it was like, it took maybe, what, 30 years, like 32 years before realizing that's what I wanted to do. I mean, it's like, it's a hard question to really figure out and answer for yourself. But it's like, once you've got it, it's kind of like, it's so clear and it makes so much sense. Mm. But just to get to that point is extremely, extremely difficult. Mm, I believe it. I don't feel like I've gotten there. I mean, except for that, you know, somehow for some reason, teaching has been like, like, even though I love sculpting, but like, that's the thing. It's like, that's my mission, mm-hmm. you know, to, to change, to change people's uh, lives. Um, and uh, you have a book now. I do. I do. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't have it yet. I was looking at it and, um, and I was actually, after this, I'm going to place the, uh, the order for it. Uh, Cause I think it just came out recently or am I, am I bad at this? Yeah, no, it came out uh, like, Three months ago? Three months ago. All right. I'm bad at this. I should have ordered it three months ago. So talk to me about this book real quick um, and what's in this. I uh, Book writing, pretty hard, right? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. We had the uh, the coronavirus lockdown for like an entire year. So I was like, well, I'm locked down. May as well write a book. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so okay. I, I try to be fun. I use, use my time wisely. Yeah. But basically, I'd given talks at like THU, Total Chaos, and I traveled to the world a few places and just giving talks. And my ideas are so like all over the place. And I was just like, I'm like, I got some okay ideas about portraiture. I've discovered some things which I didn't realize before. And I think it'll be good just to like, put all those ideas into one place and just yeah. and then have like that one chapter of my life and like what I've discovered so far and everything I've got is in that book. So a lot of people ask me if it's like a tutorial book or like how do I do skin shaders? It is not that at all. It's just my idea. It's like what this what we're talking about right now, like my ideas yeah. about uh, what I think about portraiture, posing, lighting, how to uh, represent identity, do all those techniques. It's more about the concepts mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah. It's, I feel like if it was... A tutorial book is like you may as well just go on YouTube because there's hundreds of tutorials for that. Hundreds, hundreds. And yeah, yeah, you know, and then it's in video format. So it's like it's comprehensive. You see everything. Yeah. It's not not like writing down every step, set the SSS to (laughs) click and open this menu. Oh my God. I've written documentation (laughs) and then I wrote a book a long time ago and that was a horrible experience. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> it'll be even worse to follow it. All right, it's on the next page. Now we gotta click. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so you uh, you've done like a lot of really interesting, you know, things. Like, of course, there's um, there's the work outside of this. But Oat Studio struck me as like one of the, it must have been a pretty impactful um, oh, yeah. experience because I mean, you guys were pushing something, you were doing something that now I think is catching up, but you know, mm-hmm. you did it like what, a while ago. Yeah, that was 2016, 17, bit of 18. I mean, they're just starting to do virtual 
you know, films like, like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was a, yeah, that was a game changer. Like in, for me, I found it was just working in a company where it's like every single employee that they're not, just, they're not, nobody was working for money. Like money mm. wasn't the question. People took pay cuts to go work adults. They worked there because like Neil had such a good vision and creative outlet. And he also allowed the artists, he trusted the artists to do their job. And he basically gave them freedom to do whatever they wanted as well. So he would, Neil would write a script and we would read the scripts and be like, Neil, we, like, we don't like this, let's change it. And Neil would be like, yeah, sure, no problem. Wow. And so it was a collaboration, right? It wasn't like this uh, pyramid where you got the CEO and everything trickles down. It was like a collection of artists and everybody was equal. And it's just everyone sharing ideas. Everybody's super inspired. Everyone's super passionate. And it's just working in an environment like that. It was just like you realize, yeah, that's that's basically the goal to be mm-hmm. work and collaborate with like-minded, inspired, passionate people. Mm. And that was a Unity project, right? Uh, we did a few projects. We uh, did, we did a Unity project. Yeah, right, okay. right. Again, we did the Atom Two and Atom Three projects. Right. Yeah. But before that, we did like the Zygotes, short film, Racker, Firebase, and some other smaller films. Yeah. Wow. And so you're at Unity now. Is it similar kind of work that you're doing or? No, I'll say it's a little bit different. Like uh, Oats was so uh, kind of laid back. Like there was no, there wasn't much um, business strategy behind it. it was right. Just inspired artists creating stuff which they wanted to see yeah but unity's a publicly traded company yeah like we yeah they gotta make money somehow but yeah Yeah. what i'm doing at unity is just like really just pushing the limits of the digital humans like i'm just right now i'm creating a library of characters a little bit like many humans i would say but not the same but just just trying to like i'm more in the labs department like yeah creating digital humans if I make mistakes, that's fine because it's like I can go back, fix things. Like it's almost like I'm I'm encouraged to make those mistakes because it's mm-hmm. like the more mistakes you make, the more you can get better, the more you can push the software, push the techniques. Right. The more the company builds that capacity because they've dealt with the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of just helping uh, push those boundaries a bit more. Mm, that's a great job. I mean, I that's that gives you a lot of freedom. Oh, um, were you involved in the the latest release? There was that. Um, oh, I wish. No, I'm not. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's oh God. A, yeah. So beautiful. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I was pretty blown away by that. Like I know the guys who worked on it, absolutely fantastic artists. Yeah. So that kind of like, there's a debate now. Like, what is? Um, there's of course the one thing of what's digital portraiture. So that's different. Um, now I, I want to just chat a sec about like digital humans, right? Cause there's meta humans mm-hmm. and then there's unity with that release that they did where it's all virtual and oh my God, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I interviewed some people, uh, a company called data gen a while okay. ago. And, uh, so data gen is, uh, they create simulations for AI training. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the simple example they give is like, let's say Uber wants to, um, uh, they want to create AI that can tell when somebody's going to sleep or nodding off when a driver's getting sleepy. So a company like DataGen will come in and they'll build, uh, you know, 
thousands, tens of thousands of simulations of people with different color, different faces, different things on their faces um, in various stages of sleeping. And they'll do it all virtually so that you can have AI train and be like, yes, that's, that's somebody going to sleep. And, um, and so they're building like all of these simulations and all of these uh, things. And we had this great talk about how they're kind of populating you know, the metaverse to some extent. They're creating all these animations that could just be put in a metaverse and you could have 10,000 taxi drivers falling asleep, right? Yeah. Um, and so you know, now that introduces, all right, that's the metaverse. But like from, from your perspective, when we talk about digital humans, I wanna see if we can um, unpack a little bit of the, like, the future. And my angle on this is that if somebody wants to be a character artist today, there's games, good. I know that path. There's films, there's creature. We got like these are all the paths that you know we we grew up with yeah. in this industry. Yeah. But there's more now, isn't there? Like how, what is there now for character artists? Uh yeah, like basically yeah, I feel like uh the future is like everything we have today, like our reality is gonna just be transformed digitally. So mm. <laughs> so it's like everything you can do in reality is gonna just basically Going to create a virtual world of everything we have. So yeah, it's like avatars, like all social media. We might need like digital humans. It, digital humans are basically the future, absolutely, in so many regards. Like they, they can be used for like uh, I've got. I usually get a lot of freelance requests about like medical stuff that people want to see what their faces look like after like a procedure or something or. They're like uh, people who might have like bone victims. They want to see what the skin looks like with certain way, like how it would be fixed. Uh, yeah, I got a request for that. Obviously, films and commercials. Uh, yeah, I just, I can also, I think the digital human is unlimited in its potential of what it could do. But what about the execution? So, right now, um, of course, there's a scanning option, there's the traditional sculpting. And I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but traditional sculpting, like straight up from a sphere, like that's not a big part of digital humans, right? It or depends it? how you're looking at it, really, because there's, like, there's uh, a couple of approaches to digital humans, like the artistic approach or the mm -hmm. technology approach. I'm very artistic side, mm -hmm. so I'll do everything without scans. I just I love the art aspect. I love creating sculptures. I love all that. But then there's the technical aspect of yeah, you just create create a digital human using scans. And that stuff is definitely getting better and better each year. Like so when scans first came out, they were kind of like noisy. Now they're getting right. a little bit better. And now they're kind of learning how to try and uh, uh, retopologize them or like automated without having mm. to do it manually. So they're trying to take all the manual work away from it. Right. So you like the future would be you take a photo of a person and basically you'll get a 3D mesh, which is fully textured, like T-posed, ready to be rigged. And you can start animating it. That's basically the goal. So every year they try and take out more and more of those artistic sides of things. So it's more the more art you put into it, the more human touch there is. Yeah. And so you really you got to avoid the human touch to make it. Uh, I guess I don't know more believable. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that could be the angle. You know, somebody might have where they hand touch everything because now there's also these. Um, I don't know if you know the genies NFT, um, you know, but Paris Hilton is basically a digital avatar you can put in the metaverse. Okay. To some yeah, extent, yeah. all stylist. Yeah. So it goes in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you ever get into the NFT space? 
Yeah, I've, uh, I've sold uh, like two NFTs now. Okay. I've only posted like four NFTs, but I just sold two. So yeah, I think it's NFTs of, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm behind them, I think. It's a way for artists to actually make some money by yeah. selling the artwork. Before it's like, you have to put your stuff in a gallery to make it or get a commission to do totally. something. Now yeah. it's just like you can make money just creating artwork. It's like it's created uh, yeah, funding for artists. So Yeah, I've interviewed several um, people about NFTs. And to me, I mean, it was just amazing. Um, it's such an amazing space. Uh, so many things you can do. We're actually looking at blockchain tech for me to issue certificates for students too. Like, can I store all of their work on the blockchain? And then the blood, that's their certificate, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I mean, yeah. NFTs are basically just like a track record of everything you've created. Like once yeah. these NFTs I've sold, it's like they'll be there forever now. And anytime they get sold, you'll know exactly who's bought it, who sold it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure in the future, like the, like if you want to buy a house, the house will be an NFT. Because it's like you'll be able to track record of every owner who's owned it before you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you probably NFT like bicycles. So if someone steals a bike, they don't have the NFT. So you can't sell it because there's no NFT of it. You need to have a track record of everything. Totally. Yeah, I can I imagine it. I'd love to know what they did to this house. I mean, there's <laughs> things that is like, what? I don't understand. So, you know, having it all on that blockchain, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it would be, it'd be pretty cool. Uh, all right, let's talk about, let's go back to digital uh, portraiture. So, um, where does that go? And, and there's a couple of ways I want to look at this. One, I just want to get your feeling about digital portraiture. Um, and then I want us to kind of, you know, again, segue for the students, start to think about like, you've built a brand and you may, um, not a lot, not a lot of artists necessarily think like that, but, um, you know, you have, you've kind of found this mission and you've built this thing. Um, and so I want to kind of understand that from just like strategy, strategic perspective, but, but digital portraiture itself where does this go for you um is it something where it's like um uh, does it go into you start a business around it does it go into um, a museum show uh where do you see this in your own life in 10 uh, years let's say yeah i think a business might be pretty tricky unless i can somehow manage the speed up my workflow and right nobody <laughs> wants a portrait of like my face they're like right they would want a portrait like they want me to go do a portrait of the son or of their wife or whatever like they like they want family members so i've got a lot of uh like people have requested that type of stuff but nobody's ever wanted to a portrait of like my mom or my dad or like you know because it's very specific mm -hmm. I think the future would be like, yeah, if I could become like a portrait artist, like you get like wedding photographers or portrait, like people that take photos. It's like, if I became like that, but for the digital medium, that would be pretty cool. I don't know how that's possible at this point because it just takes so long. But once technology speeds up and gets better and gets faster, my workflows will get better. So hopefully maybe I could become like a, yeah, like a portrait photographer, but artist. Uh -huh. Ah, there was a painter um, back when I was in Philadelphia named uh, Aaron Shanks, I think is his name. He's an old school guy. I don't know if he's still with us or not. And, um, you know, him and some other people, they would do like portraits of the president, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And like that. Yeah. years, they would spend years on, on this stuff. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and make some bank off that that then would support them all the way through. So maybe you're the next. Uh, well, maybe you know it depends on. I don't think Biden, but anyways, the Queen. Yeah. You could do the Queen. I'll absolutely love to do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Become like uh, yeah, just like really, it's just to become a portrait artist. Huh. Recognizes that and yeah, because yeah, because it's digital. Most people don't have digital stuff, so maybe it's like they would want a digital portrait because it kind of like lasts longer than canvas or a picture yeah. paper. So yeah, and it also opens up possibilities <laughs> of how they can be seen. Like they can see themselves in a 3D format. Like. I know for a fact a lot of uh, I worked with one client uh, who was working with Jackie Chan, and Jackie Chan is very he puts a lot of money into recording himself, not as like film, but he gets he got scans of himself done, he gets his uh, his movements recorded, so he can actually end up playing a younger version of himself at any time, even if he's like in a wheelchair or whatever, he's like he can't move anymore, he can still move because he's recorded himself. Oh, and wow. He's got all those, like his, if he does it like a roundhouse backflip or something, he can still perform that when he's 90, 100 years old. And so people, I know for a fact, people want to record themselves. So I think a digital portrait would be the way people could really record themselves, which would be a truer representation than maybe a canvas painting or a drawing. Yeah. And you said earlier that we're in the beginning stages of 3D. Like we haven't really even explored where all of this goes. So like what's unexplored in portraiture? Is it animation or? Uh, well, if you think of like uh, well, like the possibilities of 3D compared to 2D, like a 3D portrait, you can zoom in. You can basically zoom in forever. I did a, with the Jasper's portrait, I did a zoom in onto the eyeball. And I basically got so close to his eyeball that you could see the fibers in his iris. And so you can't do that with a, a painting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and basically you can rotate around any portrait. You can see a portrait from like 60 degrees. You could probably change the lighting and see them in a different format. It's like the possibilities of capturing somebody indefinitely is a lot better in 3D than in 2D. 2D is like you kind of limited whatever the artist decided at that point in time. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, the future is definitely capturing subjects uh, better and like more versatile is one possibility. Uh, yeah. Have you ever thought of interaction? Like having it uh, look at you, right? Like eyeball trackers in the canvas above <laughs> or the framing? Yeah, but I'm terrible at animation. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's like the movements, capturing movements is very tricky still. Like I think like those yeah. uh, facial movements we have was so small and like perfected. Like we we got anybody, everybody is basically trained to look at a human face. Yeah, you can look at a human face, and your grandmother could tell you if something's wrong. Like people look at my portraits, and people who have never seen a digital portrait or anything, they can look at it and say, oh, that's not, that doesn't look right. And they've never drawn ever. And, but they understand what a human face looks like. So putting that animation as another level, which is just like, it is so hard to make something believable as well as that, make something look, physically look real. Yeah, that uncanny valley. I think you spoke a, a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, that'll be a tricky one. So maybe in the future, I'll try to attempt some uh, animation or movements or so, yeah yeah i think 
right now a lot of my approach is a 2D just because it's tricky, but I definitely would like to get more into motion of some sort. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to keep you too much longer. And thank you so much for spending time here. So the last thing I'd really love to just get from you is, um, you know, one of the things I really respect about um, you, and especially even more now after having this conversation, is that, you know, you have this dedication to yourself and to your journey. And, um, and you know, it's great uh, to see this because, you know, you can see, I'm looking at your art station. Over here. You see this, the mission, like, you know, we know what Ian is 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 focused on um and the quality level is always high you're not just pushing stuff out you're always you're always saying something mm -hmm. you know so what would you tell your older self your younger self sorry like when you're just out of school like what advice would you give them because i know there's ians out there that are just like you know they have this bright future ahead of them but maybe they have some doubt yeah i think we kind of covered a little bit before just like believing in yourself yeah like Trusting your path. Mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah, I made a, some mistakes prior where it's like, oh, I was telling you in art school, I almost failed because they wanted me to push me into more abstract. I didn't and know I, you'd I, almost failed. So, yeah. I, oh, yeah. So, yeah, they'll push me towards more abstract style of work. Mm -hmm. And I just, I wasn't, didn't like that. I would like the representation, like, like realistic faces. And so I ended up changing path so I would not fail. So I was like, well, I'll do what you said to follow this path. And I almost gave up art. I almost just wow. entirely because I just I hated it. Like it wasn't me. I didn't like it. And then when I went left art school, I was saying I moved to Montreal as unemployed. I started drawing again, and I started drawing faces again. And then my love for art came back. But it's I was like derailed basically because I was listening to other people rather than listening mm -hmm. to my own voice and just trusting myself. Like what I love is like, I got to be honest with myself and like just stay on my path and just believe in myself. I know it's easier said than done, but <laughs> I think believing in yourself, believing in your own path and just listening to what you want to do. It's great. Yeah, that makes, um, I mean, that's the best way to end this. And it is the, one of the hardest things to do, but it's also mm -hmm. the, it's the essential work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ian, thank you so much, my friend. I'm so glad to to meet you and to have this conversation. I really appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. Well, take care. <laughs> thank you. All right. Bye. bye. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. It really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.